We're going to jump right in today, Luke 2.52. Um, probably the most rewarding of the four in study that it has been just for me, for myself. And so I am anxious and excited about sharing it with you today. So Luke 2 and verse 52, and you probably should be able to quote it by now. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's have a, word, a quick word of prayer, prepare our hearts, and we'll jump right in. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to spend time in this passage all week long. And I pray that you'd help us today. Uh, give us something very real and practical for our lives uh, that we might be more and more like you. Bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about the teenage pattern of Jesus. All right, he is our ruler. He is our measuring stick. And even in the stage of life that you're at right now, he provides a, uh, an example, a pattern for you to follow. We talked about the foundation for this pattern and the fact that Jesus was already submissive to his mother and, and to Joseph. All right, he went to Nazareth and was subject unto them in verse number 51. Uh, we also talked about the key to the pattern, the idea that we ought to be increasing. And no matter where we are, no matter where you find yourself spiritually, you can increase. Even in this area uh, here this afternoon, um, there might be, you might look at yourself and say, wow, there's a lot of room for growth. I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of change I need to make. Well, um, don't th- let that overwhelm you. Just take a step, all right? Move closer, increase. We talked about increasing in wisdom, the idea of Um, Our willingness to base our thoughts and our actions and our decisions on the principles of God's word instead of any myriad of other things, our feelings, uh, our thoughts, other people's opinions. All right, Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge uh, that God has given us in his word, how to put that into practice in in our lives. We talked about growing in stature, which is maturity, growing up in our speech, our understanding, our thinking, our discipline. And then yesterday we talked about increasing in favor with God, which there's two components of that. Do you remember those two components? Obedience was the second component, fed by or led by or empowered by dependency or grace. All right, so we talked about dependent obedience. So obedience that is fed by the grace of God. And so now we're to number four, Jesus increased in favor with man. I'll give you the title because I know you're taking notes, and then I'll explain why we gave it that title. We're going to talk about growing in disposition. Disposition. Does anybody know what the word disposition means? It's very similar to the word display. So sometimes for me, I like to find words that are similar. But our disposition is really how we display ourselves to others. And so right now, whether you like it or not or know it or not, you have a disposition. How you are, how you are responding to uh, what you're hearing. How you're responding to sitting here in this place. How you're responding to me. All of that externally, what I see from the outside is your disposition. And really, that's what is the idea here in... This, this thought of being in favor with man and increasing in favor with man. So Roman numeral one, let's jump right in because we have a lot to get to. What is favor with men? I kind of touched on it briefly, but what is favor with men? Let's just look at a definition. Now, thankfully, some of our work has already been done because we talked about favor with God yesterday, and it's the same word, favor with Man, it's the same idea. Favor is that which brings goodwill, that which brings loving kindness, that which brings pleasure. We talked about how uh, growing in favor with God is is pleasing God. Um, And here, growing in or increasing in favor with man is increasing in pleasing men or pleasing people that are around us. Here's a new word you probably don't know, but I like this word. Have you ever heard the word winsome or winsomeness? All right. It's the idea of being attractive, but immediately when we hear the word attractive, we think, you know, external beauty, good looking, which I like the word winsome because it has nothing to do with the outside necessarily. 
but it has to do with the person as a whole. And being winsome is, is being pleasant and personally attractive to those that are around you. And so being and growing in favor with men means that we are growing and pleasing others. We're, we're, we're being pleasant, we're being attractive in our disposition and how we display ourselves to others. Now, these are, I think, are, are, are given to us in priority order, all right? It started with favor with God, and that's primary, number one, and that takes priority. But here, number two, right underneath it is this idea of favor with men. We want to make sure those priorities are in the right place. It starts with pleasing God, and then what's fed from pleasing God is now learning how to please others as well. And isn't this how Jesus summarized the law? He said, this is all of the law, um, all the commandments in the Old Testament, you can boil them down to two. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and all of your strength. And then number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And both of these components are important. Favor with God, top priority, loving God with all of your heart and all of your soul. And then learning how to grow and increase in favor with man, loving others as you love yourself. We see the exact opposite of this, the idea of favor with God and favor with man, in the unbelieving Jews. When they approach Jesus in 1 Thessalonians 2.15, Paul describes them as those who killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And notice what he says. He says, and they please not God and are contrary to all men. You see both areas there. They don't please God in their rejection of the Messiah and their persecution of Christians. And they're not growing. They're not pleasing men either. They're contrary to all men. Now, we need to point out this before we go any further because I don't want to confuse you. Does this mean growing in favor with men? Does this mean that we should pursue popularity and live underneath the fear of men? Is that what we're talking about? Does, does, is what we're talking about just being consumed with the idea, what will everyone think about me? And of course, the answer is no. Absolutely no. That's not what we're talking about. And the, the differentiating factor is the motivation. Because the key motivation when it comes to the fear of man is pleasing man for my benefit. Whereas the key motivation of growing in favor with men involves pleasing others for their benefit. Okay, so here's, here's a scenario, okay? You have, to, you have to imagine this, okay? Noah is cool. Well, you don't have to imagine that part. That's already true, okay? Noah is cool. He is, he is the, the, the pinnacle of coolness. And so therefore, I'm looking at it and saying, I'd like to be cool, um, I like to, to, to be as popular as he is. And so if I become his friend, is if I, and there's a, an expression, you know, hitch my wagon to that train. All right, if, if, I, if I get in his uh, uh, good graces, in his, uh, his uh, zone of friends, then that means that I am more cool than I was before. Did you see the motivation? I'm not trying to please Noah and trying to be his friend because of his benefit. I'm trying to, to please him. I'm trying to be his friend for my benefit. What do I get out of this? He's popular. If I'm close to him, that means I'm more popular. That's not what we're talking about. That is the fear of man, and the fear of man brings a snare. That, that is living underneath the, the tyranny of what will other people think about me. And that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about in growing with, in favor with man is me looking at Noah, not for what I can get from him by being his friend, but I'm looking at him and saying, what, is, what does he need? What would he like? How could I minister to him? How could I help him? How could I please him? Do you see the difference? This is a very important distinction because naturally we come to this idea of growing in favor with men or growing in pleasing men, and we say, well, I, I want everybody to like me. But the motivation is I want everyone to like me because that benefits me. I get to feed off of that. I get, to, I get to benefit from that. And that's not what's being spoken of here. That's not where God wants us to live. Where God does want us to live is, is to say, to realize, all right, I want to be a blessing. I want to please others. I want to help 
others. And of course, what benefits, what, what pleases, what, what helps others the most is for them to achieve what God wants for their lives. So there's a key distinction in this. Uh, the Apostle Paul brings this out. I want you to see this verse, 1 Corinthians 10.33. Go ahead and turn there. Paul illustrates this exact truth just brilliantly, and it's one that I had never seen that, that clear distinction before, and when I read it, it was like, wow, that is, that's amazing. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 33. Can somebody read that? I need a volunteer. Titus is going to do that. Read that nice and loud. Go ahead. All right, even as, and in Paul's writing, he says, I please men, all men in all things. There's that word please. All right, growing in favor with men means I'm growing and being able to please men. It's the idea of pleasure. We've also said yesterday it's the idea of grace. And I actually used the phrase a couple minutes ago. Uh, maybe you've heard it before, getting in, someone good, getting in someone's good graces. All right, it's the idea of pleasing them. All right, so he says, I please all men in all things. Why? Not seeking mine own profit. I'm not just hitching my wagon to someone else's train and saying, I'm going to now benefit from them. But I seek the profit of many. And of course, we're going to reference this later. He is looking at the motivation of reaching men with the gospel. And what, what could you do that would be more beneficial for someone than giving them the gospel and seeing them saved? I mean, uh, that would be pleasing men. You're going to, you're going to uh, bring... Uh, eternal security and an eternal destiny in heaven for them, growing in favor with men. Now, when it comes to this idea, okay, so we, we made that clear distinction, all right? This is not about pleasing others for what I get. This is about pleasing others for what they get, all right? So now that we drew, we drew that line, let's talk about this. How do we grow in favor with men? Well, favor with men is largely determined by our disposition, how we display ourselves to others. It's been a little while now, but a couple years ago, God brought this thought, and it was like one of those that, you know, mind blown. All right? Do you realize that just about everything that's unfavorable, that's off-putting, that's unattractive about who you are and who I am, to be honest... All right, everything that is off-putting about who I am is rooted in, it comes from my sin nature. Everything that is unattractive, off-putting, unfavorable about who you, who you are, your disposition, really is rooted in, it comes out of, it grows out of your sin nature. I mean, think about, do you, do you enjoy being around, are you pleased to be around someone who is proud? Someone who it's like, look at me, I'm the center of attention, everything is about me, I don't care about anyone else than me. I mean, do you enjoy being around someone like that? No, you don't. Where does that pride in their disposition come from? It's their sin. It's their sin nature. Do you enjoy some, being around someone who is arrogant? It's like their nose is... It, they, got, they got a hook in their nose and it's attached to a cloud somewhere. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the greatest thing that, that, ever, I, that ever has happened to anyone. And everyone will want to be my friend. And, and uh, they're just arrogant. They've got everything figured out. Do you enjoy being around someone like that? I don't. Where does that come from? Their sin nature. How about someone who's selfish? All right. Give me, give me, give me all about me. Do you enjoy being around someone like that? I don't. Where does that come from? Sin nature. How about someone who, uh, when they don't get their way, they get angry and they rage people down in order to get what they want. Do you enjoy being around someone like that? I don't. Where does that come from? Sin nature. Someone who's unkind and mean and nasty and how they talk to people, how they treat people. Do you like being around someone who's mean and nasty? I don't. Where does that come from? Sin nature. You see the connection? Everything that is unfavorable or unattractive, everything that, that is the opposite of growing in favor with man, comes from our sin nature. But here's the beautiful thing. 
Once you are saved, once the Holy Spirit moves into your life, He's going to start working on you. And literally, and this is kind of a definition that, that, that I'm thinking of, what, what it means to grow in favor with men. It means that our sinful tendencies in, the dis, in our disposition and how we interact with others are slowly being diminished and taken away by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Growing in favor with men happens, it takes place as we allow the Holy Spirit to chip away, to deal with our toxic behavioral patterns, as some people put it in our world today, and how we treat other people. And as we allow God to do His work in us, we ought to become more and more of an attractive person. And I think of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was ever an attractive person, and you see this in the Gospels, if there ever was a person because he did not have that sin nature, he did not have that, those unfavorable parts of his personality because they didn't, they didn't come from his sin nature um, because he didn't have one, he was perfect. We're talking about the most winsome person that there ever was. And in the Gospels, you see how he attracted people to himself. You remember those uh, temple rulers who were sent to arrest Jesus? They didn't want to do it necessarily openly, so they, they got the, uh, the temple guard together and said, you need to go and arrest Jesus. And they went and they were about to arrest him and then they heard him speak. They heard him talk. And they were just blown away by the things that he said. And perhaps they stood there for a while and listened and then they just turned around and went back to the Pharisees and they're like, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> we gave you, you had one job. What happened? And they said, never a man spake as this man. This man, they were so won over by his speech, by his disposition, by how he was displaying himself to those who were around that they, they just couldn't bring themselves to arrest him. Isn't that amazing? Peter in his epistles, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14, he gives us um, an important though note in this area of our disposition and favor with man. Because does this mean that if we grow in this area and we allow God to deal with our sinful tendencies and our selfishness and our pride and our arrogance and all those areas, does that automatically mean everyone will like us and everyone will be pleased with us? It's not necessarily the case. In fact, Peter brings out, he says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. And the idea of being reproached is, is experiencing um, verbal abuse. All right? This is the idea of being made fun of, maybe in, in our vernacular, all right? Reproached, being scorned. He says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. But then he clarifies in verse 15 let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. He said, be careful. Be careful about this area, and this is where we can grow. Because we have a bad habit of assuming that people don't like us because of our godliness. When instead, in all actuality, people don't like us because of our sinfulness. There's an important distinction here. They don't like us because we're proud, because we're a know-it-all, because we're selfish, because we have a me-first attitude. Because we're not kind. We had this, it's a bad habit. It's a human tendency. We just have this thought, well, see, they don't like me because I dress biblically and modestly. That's why they don't like me. I have just such high standards. That's why they don't like me. Or they don't like you because you're a jerk. That's what Peter's bringing out, all right? Hey, there, you're gonna, you, might, you might face some reproach for living for the name of Christ, but don't, don't assume that just because you're, you're, you, do, you don't have favor with man, that the reason for that is because you're so godly. When in all actuality, it could be because you have an attitude about how godly you are, which obviously makes you not as godly as you think, but whatever. You look on the outside. I've got all the boxes checked. And so therefore, that, that's why, you know, all these different people don't like me because I'm so good. When many times they don't like you because 
you're just a sinner and all of that sinfulness is oozing out of your disposition and it stinks and it's filthy and it's nasty and it's off-putting and people don't want anything to do with it. We have to be really careful about this. That's why he says, don't suffer as a murderer. I mean, this one's kind of funny, right? You know, the guy goes out and kills someone and, and they're like, we don't like that. That guy's a murderer. And you're like, yeah, they're, they're going after me because of how much I'm like God. <laughs> no, they're going after you because you killed someone. I mean, hello. All right, but this is how it's so obvious to everyone else looking on. But to the individual, it's not as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer. How about this one as a busybody? Busybody is a gossip. You know, they're busy spreading rumors around about everyone else, about how they don't approve of, of what, what so-and-so is doing and what so-and-so is doing and what so-and-so is. And the whole time, it's like, they're not doing right, but I am. Look at me. And then nobody wants to be a part. I mean, nobody wants to be around someone like that, right? And so they're just like, oh, not for me. And then, they're, then they say, it's because of how godly I am. No, it's not because of your godliness. It's because of your sinfulness. Obnoxiousness is not a virtue. Nothing good comes out of it. It's it's, it's not a badge of honor. And that's what is meant here by this idea of growing, increasing in favor with man. So we've seen favor with man in definition. Now let's take a look at favor with man in the scripture. And I want to point out some other passages. Go to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. We're just going to look at the first couple verses there of Romans 15. Is this idea of growing and increasing in favor with man, is this something that's taught in the rest of the scriptures? Well, it definitely is. And I just want to give you a few uh, uh, examples of, of that. Romans 15, look there at verse number 1. It says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to, what's the next two words? Please ourselves, all right? Remember he said favor has strong ties. A synonym of favor is pleasing, all right? So he says, we ought not to grow in favor with ourselves. We ought not to please ourselves. Then verse two, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Did you see that? We, we get that selfishness all mixed up. I, I want to please my neighbor because it makes me look good, because I get something out of it. No, Paul says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. Verse 3, for even Christ, all right, he's our example, even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that have reproached thee fell on me. Jesus wasn't all concerned with um, himself. He was concerned with others. He was concerned with pleasing his neighbor for his good. His good. Pleasing Noah for Noah's good, not my own. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 24, Paul says, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. So not seeking after our own benefit, but seeking after the benefit of others. And can I tell you, have you ever been around a person who they were all about other people? They were all about um, seeking the good and the benefit of other people. Have you ever been around someone like that? Are you attracted to a person like that who is all about helping you and, and doing things for your benefit and for your good? Boy, I say, I really like that person. They're really nice. They're really kind. They, they think about others instead of themselves. And guess what? You're seeing that. You're noticing that because that person is, and as that person is, increasing in favor with man. That's what it looks like. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm looking at Anthony and all the things that he has, and I'm like, I would like that. I'd like that watch. I'd like that notebook. I would like those shoes. You know, that's not what it's talking about. Not our eyes on their things that we want. But instead, I'm looking at him and saying, what are, what are his needs? What are his wants? What are his desires? 
How can I meet those needs? How can I minister? How can I help? That's what he means by looking every man on the things of others. This idea of growing in favor with man also has an important component in evangelism. And we kind of talked about it already in 1 Corinthians 10, 33, where Paul says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. This involves how we look at the world around us. Their most desperate need, what would benefit them the most is the gospel. What would benefit them the most is to experience a relationship with God like you have a relationship with God. And it feeds our evangelism efforts. The fact that we're just one beggar telling another beggar, like we heard um, last week, I think it was Sunday morning, where we found bread, we're just like those, the, those lepers in the nation of Israel who found the camp deserted and they, and they found all the goods that the people were starving and eating horse heads and, and uh, 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 killing babies and eating them because they, they had no food. They were going to die. It was that bad. And so they said, we do not well. I mean, we need to share all of this wealth. And so they went back and they told the city, hey, the, uh, the siege is over. Here's all that we need right here. And that is, uh, in our world today, uh, th- that's the compassion that ought to feed us as we go out with the gospel and we just say, hey, I want you to experience what I have. I want you to have what I have. It's, it's, it's looking on, it's, it's pleasing men to the point where they receive the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul put it this way, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. In other words, I'm not all about myself. I'm willing to put myself aside so that other people can experience the benefit of salvation. This is what it means to grow in favor with man. I'm not all about myself. I'm all about others and seeking the benefit of others. And guess what? When you do that, all of a sudden, you're an attractive person. That's just how it works. But it's amazing how we don't put those pieces together sometimes. So we saw it in Scripture. Let's look at it as well in biblical examples. Are there other other biblical examples besides Jesus? Well, think about the person Joseph in the book of Genesis. The Bible tells us that Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. Um, remember in the New Testament, what word was translated grace? Oh, it's the word favor. Ah, so in other words, Joseph found grace or favor in Potiphar's sight as he served him. And then Potiphar made him overseer over his house and all that he put into his hand. So there was something about Joseph's disposition, about his work ethic, about how he displayed himself and how he interacted with his master and then all that was in his master's house. There was something about that that Potiphar looked at and he said, I like that. And then even afterwards, after he's falsely accused and thrown into prison, what happens when Joseph's in prison? Well, the Bible tells us that God was with him and gave him favor favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Here we have it happening again. There was something about Joseph and how he displayed himself, his disposition in prison, even in in the midst of one of the darkest trials of his life. There was something about how he interacted with people that caused his favor with the men who were around him to increase, to grow. We looked at Samuel yesterday But I'll just mention him again. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 26. The child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Started with the Lord, but then also he grew in favor with men. Daniel, in Daniel 1 and verse 9, it says that God brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. God brought Daniel into favor. You know what the common denominator is for all of these individuals? It was God working in them, bringing them into favor with the people who are, who are around them. Do you see the parallel similarity? We talked about how God works in us, and he deals with our selfishness, he deals with our pride, he deals with our arrogance, and we, as we allow him to do that, he brings us into favor with 
the people who are around us. That's exactly what we see. We even see this in the church at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, where it talks about how they continued daily with one accord in the temple, in the temple, and the breaking bread and, and, and prayers. But then it says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Emphasis on all people. Does that mean that everyone was saved? I don't think it, I don't think it does. There were a lot that were saved. But there was something about what happened and the change that took place in their life and how they were displaying themselves, how they were interacting with people around them that brought them into favor with all men. Biblical examples. All right, so we're defining what is the favor of man. Let's, let's get a little bit more practical and talk about it in practice. Letter D in practice. There are two basic components that we see in growing in favor with man. How does this happen? All right, so if we can identify these components and then uh, work on applying them, all right, we'll go, it'll give us a, a head start in, in making some progress in this area. The first component, and we, we kind of reference this in the, the great commandment, love God, but then also love others. The first component is love, loving, growing in selfless love. Favor with men is built by allowing God to replace our natural disposition, our natural selfishness, our natural pride, our natural arrogance and anger and unkindness, replacing that with love, real love. Not fake love, but real love. Because real love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that real love doth not behave itself unseemly and seeketh not her own. You see, if I'm hitching my wagon to, to cool Noah here because I want to be cool, I'm not loving him. Who am I loving, actually? Me. Do you have to work hard at loving yourself? No, nope, comes easy. It's natural. All right? So I'm befriending him because I love myself. Biblical love is allowing God to replace my natural self-love with love for others. And now I befriend Noah because I love him. I want what's best for him. So we increase in favor with men when we learn to love ourselves less and to love others more. See how that happens? This is why love is a foundational component of this. We grow in favor with man as we learn to love ourselves less and we learn to love others more. Loving is a primary component. Now, this is more than just seeking to be liked by everyone. Because the motivation of that, most often, is selfishness. Growing in favor, really, the motivation of that is selflessness. That's where, that's where it comes from. And that's where biblical love is rooted. So loving is a primary component. Number two, the second component of this idea of growing in favor with man is building. And by building, I'm talking about building a godly and good reputation. Building a, a good reputation. A good reputation is, is, can only be built, can only be constructed by consistent godly character. As we allow... And as we submit to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, as we daily and moment by moment submit to him and what he wants versus what, what we want, as we do that, we will build character in our lives and that character will be evident to those who are watching and slowly, over time, a reputation is built. Proverbs 20 and verse 20 tells us that even a child is known by their doings, their reputation whether their work be pure or whether it be right. Even a child can build a reputation. And even Jesus, as a 12-year-old, was building his reputation. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Now, can you, do you have direct control over your reputation? Can you control what other people think about you? Now, sometimes you'll do what's right and You'll, um, um, as to, to the, the best of your knowledge, you'll display yourself in a way that's pleasing to God, in a way that's love, and people will misinterpret that. They'll misunderstand that. And they'll say, well, it's all about yourself. And you're like, no, I honestly, it's not about me. I, I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to be loving. 
Sometimes people will uh, uh, misunderstand uh, or misrepresent what you do. So you can't directly control your reputation. However, you can control your character, which over time will eventually build your reputation. So get concerned in this idea of building. Get concerned with your character. Build your character, which will in, then, which will in turn then build your reputation. Doing what's right in this world can often make people unhappy with you, right? So I don't want to give you the false impression that, you know, when we grow in this area of favor with man, that, you know, as we allow God to work in our hearts and to deal with some of our sinful tendencies, that everyone is just going to, they're, they're just going to love us. Not necessarily. But in Proverbs sixteen seven, we get an important truth and an, an important principle where we're told that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I was reading this in a book, and I, I hope I get this right, but the, the author put it this way um, in, in trying to describe this, this truth. Don't be, don't be concerned about your reputation or uh, making sure that everybody thinks well of you, but instead have the idea, instead pursue... The idea, um, I'm trying to remember how he put it. Don't chase after people's reputation, but chase after your own, my brain is going blank. How did he put that? Chase after your own, um, I'm sorry, it's gone. It was right that verse. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies to be at peace with it. Be concerned about others' respect. That's what it was. I knew it was a word that started with the letter R, respect. Do you know there are people who, if you do what's right, they might look at you and say, I'm not all about living that way. But they are, and I respect them for that. I don't agree. I'm not going to live that way. But I respect the principled stand they take and the stand that they take with a godly disposition, not with, you know, looking down on everyone else, not judging everyone else, but just simply saying, this is where God wants me to stand. I'm going to stand there. I love other people around, and I'll show you from the Bible what I believe, but I'm not going to just cut you off. I'm not going to treat you like a jerk just because you don't agree with me. Respect. You'll gain people's respect. That's exactly what the verse is saying. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So that is defined, growing in favor defined. But number two, how did Jesus grow in favor with men? We'll just touch on this very briefly. But in our text in Luke chapter 2 and verse 46 and 47, we're told that it came to pass after three days they found Jesus, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. You know, Jesus didn't have a sin nature like we do. But Jesus still grew in his ability, and he needed to grow in his ability to communicate his care and concern for others. Learning how to take the love that you have and express it to someone else so that they understand that you love them. So he, he grew, he increased in his ability to communicate his love and his care and his concern for others. And he built his reputation by consistently demonstrating his character in the eyes of those who were watching him. It's kind of an amazing thing. Even Jesus had to build a reputation. If there was anyone who didn't need to do it, it's him. Like he should have been respected from day one, but even he had to build a reputation. In Luke 4, when Jesus goes back to his hometown and he speaks there in the synagogue, The Bible tells us that all who heard him wondered at his gracious words. They were like, wow, who is this person? We we remember him as a kid, and he's increased. He's he's grown. And now, did he actually grow? I mean, not really, because he was perfect. He was complete. Um, But in their eyes, he grew. In their eyes, they they saw his, his reputation for what it was. So Jesus took time to express that love and concern for others. He took time to to build his reputation. And let me just give you a a warning when it comes to this area of reputation. It takes years to build a good reputation, but it only takes minutes to destroy it. 
Maybe we could even say seconds to destroy it. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. It's something that's valuable, and we must be careful to guard it. Um, Just be very careful that we don't squander what we have built. Lastly today, number three, how can I grow in favor with men? Let me give you some practical things real quick, all right? Letter A, how can I grow in favor with men? Here's something that you can do. Be friendly. Be friendly. You know this, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Being friendly means that I learn to take interest in other people instead of just taking interest in myself. It means I learn to talk about others and what others like and what others are interested in instead of constantly talking about myself and what I'm interested in. Because when I do that, it's all about me. It's all about loving myself. Growing in favor with men means I learn how to love others as much as I love myself. Be friendly. Be willing to step out and, and risk the, the awkward feeling and risk the situ, you know, step out of your, your comfort zone, your place of safety, and be willing to reach out to someone else. There are visitors, there are people all across this auditorium on a Sunday morning, and I know it's challenging. I'm not an extrovert, but there are times I have to tell myself, you, that person, go. Be friendly. It costs something, but see, remember, this is not about I'm friendly for what I get. It's about I'm friendly for what they they need, for what they want. Be friendly. Number two, be yourself. Be yourself. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he just says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. In the previous verse, he talked about how he was the least among the apostles, he says, you know what? By God's grace, I am what I am. That's a really good place to be. Not that we're not striving to be all that God wants us to be, but by God's grace, this is who I am. By God's grace, this is the fact, I, you know, I'm six foot tall. By God's grace, he's given me a fairly loud voice. And in certain areas, that's been a good thing. He's been able to use that. It's a benefit. Some areas, not so much. But anyway, this, this is who God made me. I can't change that about myself. There's some things I can change, but I can't change that. But I come to the place where I say, I am what I am. I don't need to change who I am so that I can be, be a friend of someone else so that I can be more popular or I can be looked at in a different sort of way. I am what I am. I know some of you are younger. It's all about like, oh, how do, I, how, do, how do I get in with this group of guys or this group of girls? You know, I want to be liked by them. And, and you'll change everything about yourself. You'll talk about things you wouldn't talk about. You'll, you'll pretend to like things you didn't like. And, and, and on and on it goes, just so that you can gain acceptance. But that's not what, it, what it's about. You learn to be loving. You learn to show interest in other people. We were joking around about seventh grade advice, you know, be quiet and listen. What is that? Well, that's just respecting other people. When you listen to someone, you're saying what you're saying is important. And what I have to say is not as important as what you have to say, so I'm going to listen. Really what you're doing is you're learning how to grow in favor with man. You're learning how to love. And guess what? There's a, there's a byproduct of that. People like that. <laughs> And you'll grow in in pleasing men. Be yourself. Be yourself. I can't say that over and over again. I've watched teenagers over and over again through the years. And it's the ones who are just like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. This is what I want to be. This is where I'm going in life. And everyone flocks to them. But the other ones who are just like, I've got to be this. i got to. And they're just trying, desperately grasping at whatever it is. I've got to be the jokester. I've always got to have the smart thing to say. I've always got to... And, and they're just desperate to, to please other people. And just be yourself. Be yourself. You can grow in favor with men in that way. Number three, or letter C. Don't be a Pharisee. 
don't be a Pharisee. Understand that there is nothing more off-putting, nothing more unfavorable than being around someone who has a holier-than-thou attitude. You know what that's like. You've been around people like that. And by the way, it's just as disgusting in the mind of God. In fact, it was Jesus who dealt with the self-righteous attitude of the Pharisees, the holier-than-thou attitude, and he dealt with it very harshly and very directly. Don't have that attitude. Don't be a Pharisee. Because all it is, is is just pride and arrogance. And guess what? You don't like being around uh, someone who's proud and who's arrogant. And if you're proud and arrogant, no one will like being around you either. Don't be a Pharisee. Letter D, number four. Forsake the pursuit of popularity. Don't choose friends based on their popularity. Choose friends based on their spirituality. Because, you know, choosing friends for their popularity is all about what you can gain for, for yourself. The Pharisees did this in John 12. They, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Forsake the pursuit of popularity. And we've already dealt with that. Letter E, avoid clicks. Do you know what that is? When I was a kid, and some of you have maybe have heard this, but you can be a member of the click club. Kind of a cute little thing, uh, the, the song, right? The Click Club. But clicks are, this is my little group. These are my little friends. This is my little posse. And so after church, there you are, tied at the hip, ma- like married to that person. And you can't be seen in church anywhere else other than arm in arm with that person. Or that group of people. Now, do you like that? There you are standing there and there's this little group and it's like us four and no more and you're just like, what do I do? So you don't like that. So what do you think happens when you do that? Other people don't like it either. Don't be like Peter in Galatians 2. How many of you are on, uh, what team was that? Uh, Was it the Cardinals? You did this, uh, Galatians 2, where Paul had to withstand Peter to the face. He was eating with the the, the Gentiles and having a great time fellowshipping, and then he all of a sudden realized that somebody from Jerusalem was coming in. He was like, oh, I don't want to be with them. I want to be over here with them. Clicks. All that was was clickishness. And Peter got caught up, with, caught up in it, and Paul had to rebuke him for it. Avoid clicks. Letter F, overcome evil with good. You're going to be mistreated. People are not going to treat you right. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You don't have to get retribution for how you are treated. Learn how to give it to God, okay? Again, we're talking about how you can grow in favor with men. Two more, letter G, apologize or admit when you're wrong. Be willing to admit when you're wrong. You don't have to be right all the time. See, some teenagers, they, they just have to be right all the time. They're just so afraid that that they they might be seen by someone as not having the right answer. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to be the expert all the time. You can say, I was wrong. I didn't know. And you know what? That's attractive to people. You don't like being around a know-it-all. So when you're in a know-it-all, nobody likes being around you. And then lastly, here's something easy. You can do this today. Smile. Teenagers don't smile at people. Pretty much across the board. That's what you're known for. Now, that might be a little unfair, but have you ever seen teenagers out in, the, you know, out in public? They might laugh and smile in their group, but, I mean, do they, do they smile at anyone else? You know, I heard a guy illustrate this. He's a camp speaker, and so... He's like, uh, you know, he, he comes to the seventh graders like, oh, brother Robbie, yes. And then the eighth graders like, oh, brother Robbie, good to see you. And the ninth graders like, hey, brother Robbie. And the tenth graders like, hey, how you doing? The eleventh graders like, uh. and the twelfth graders like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, yeah, been there, seen that. All right. Just smile. Smile at people. 
I know that. That kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but learn, learn to smile. This is what it means to grow, to increase favor with man. I want to give you a vision for where God wants to take you. And I hope that this afternoon that you will, you'll get to this place where you'll have, have the, the, the heart cry that, God, would you, you deal with that, the pride in my heart, the selfishness in my heart, the arrogance in my heart, all those things that are just so off-putting about who I am. Would you teach me how to love like you love? Would you, would you help me to work on my character and how I treat other people so I can build that reputation, you know, those two components, loving and building? You need God's help in that. And as God uh, chips away and gets rid of some of those, the, the, those behavioral patterns that are so off-putting, that are so uh, uh, un, unpleasing and, and disfavorable, and, and God will bring you to a place where people are like, you know, I might not agree with everything that that person stands for. I might not agree with everything they preach or everything they do, but I respect that individual. Even your enemies can be at peace with you because of your disposition and how you treat others. Jesus increased in favor with man as he was demonstrating his love for this world as he built that reputation over time. He grew, he increased in favor with man. And you can do the same thing. You can grow from a selfish, me-first little child who all they're concerned about is me and, and getting what I want and grow up into someone with a winsome disposition to grow up into someone who loves others, loves their neighbor as they love themselves. It's a high bar. We can all increase. We can all take a step forward. We can all grow just like Jesus and increase in our favor with man. Hope there's something practical there that you can apply to your life. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, there's so much here in this topic and I don't feel I did justice to it, but I just pray that you take some of these thoughts and convict our hearts, bring us to a place where we desire to be used by you. We desire to display love for others, pleasing others for their benefit, for their good, instead of just being out for pleasing ourselves. Would you, would you work on our character in this area? that we might grow as you deal with those sinful habits and tendencies. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the practical truths that we've heard. Uh, Bless the rest of our day, we pray in Jesus' name.